Southeast Radio's Morning Mix. Chat, news and your views. Good morning, Alan. So, Father Peter, it's uh, like Groundhog Day, really. You and I, two or three times a year, link up and have a chat. Um, The most recent report I have is that homeless figures have broken records once again last month. Uh, July as it is now, the number of people living in emergency accommodation increasing to 12,600 last month. That is not news to you, is it? No, it's depressingly familiar. In fact, I think you should just uh, record this interview and every month replay it when the homeless figures come out because they're going up and up and up relentlessly. And indeed, if they continue going up at this rate, by the time the next election comes around, there could be 16,000 homeless people because it's going up at somewhere between 150 and 200 every month. Hmm. So it's depressingly familiar. And the current policies are not uh, are not effective. All right, we'll we'll look at that in more detail. But let's look at the breakdown: uh, eight thousand eight hundred and thirty-five adults, um, up from eight thousand seven hundred and forty-two in May. And then something that you and I have spoken about before as well: the effect it have, uh, has on children. There are three thousand seven hundred and sixty-five children classified as homeless. That's up sixty-six from the last figures we had. And some one thousand eight hundred and four families are living in emergency accommodation. That was in June. So I'll give you a chance just to assess those figures for us, please. Yeah, they're they're depressing. The number of children who are homeless uh, is very, very worrying because it's well documented the damage that homelessness does to children, particularly longer-term homelessness, and many of these children are in longer-term homelessness. uh, They become stressed. uh, They become uh, depressed. They find it very hard to go to school and concentrate and study, so their education uh, uh, suffers. Uh, they already suffer, and we have the figure of three thousand seven hundred is only a snapshot in time. If you think maybe over the last four or five months, we probably had eight or nine thousand children experiencing homelessness uh, because some of them will have moved on uh, into accommodation of one sort or another. So we are. Uh, creating huge problems for a very, very large number of children. The homelessness figures do not apparently account for people who are living on the streets or couch surfing. So, I mean, when you add those people into the the mix, what are we talking about here? We're probably talking of double that 12,700. It doesn't count, it doesn't include, as you say, people living on the street. It doesn't include about 5,000 asylum seekers who have been given permission to stay in Ireland uh, but can't move out of the direct provision centres because they can't find accommodation. That's 5,000. It doesn't include uh, women and children in, uh, in uh, refuges for domestic violence. It doesn't include, as you say, sofa surfers. And it doesn't include a to- an unknown number of people in their 20s, 30s and 40s who are still living involuntarily with their parents because they can't afford to move out. Mm. So I think we could be t- talking about double the number. I remember I was reading an article I wrote in 2011 and it was in response to a, a, a homeless uh, a strategy in 2008 And that homeless strategy wanted to eliminate homelessness by 2010, and it said we would need 1,200 housing units to house all the people who are homeless. Mm. Now we're looking at 20,000 homeless uh, units 
to house all the people who are homeless. Right. It is absolutely frightening, and it's just no evidence that it's not going to get worse and worse and worse. Uh, there's a, a number of other elements to this that have crept into the equation that you and I haven't spoken about before and, and one of them is the RT documentary, RT investigates um, the, the sex for payment of rent as part of their mm-hmm. undercover sting operation is this something that you've come across uh, Father Peter where people have come to you uh, uh, are you aware of this happening in your own area? I'm not aware of it currently, I was aware of it back in the 80s when there were homeless children on the streets, teenagers who were sort of abandoned and they were living on the street. Uh, And I did come across uh, landlords who were offering them free accommodation in return for sex. Uh, But I haven't come across it recently, no. Right, because I heard there's another uh, potential scenario as well whereby people go into the homes and then uh, they they actually enter the homes and it's only then would the landlord approach them uh, and ask for sex as payment uh, after they're already in the house itself where they just can't make the payment. So, uh, again, it's very worrying when you hear, even if there's only one or two examples of this, any example of this is extremely worrying, isn't it? It it is worrying, and I believe the government are looking at that and are planning legislation uh, to make that a criminal offence, and I I would absolutely support that, of course. The difficulty is, even if you have that legislation, a person who's staying in a flat, if they complain to the Gardaí, uh, they may find themselves homeless. So we have a lot of situations at the moment where people are living in appalling private rented accommodation, unfit for human habitation. Like what, Father Peter? But, Can you give me an example of what you've come across when you say appalling accommodation? What is the worst uh, scenario you've come across in this area? Well, it's, it's very small accommodation. There may be electric wires that are loose. There may be mould on the, on the windows. And if it's a family, then uh, that's affecting the children's respiratory health. Uh, there may be mice in the place. The uh, some of the equipment may not be may not be working. The cooker may not be working. Uh, or uh, there may be very little hot water. Uh, there may be very little hot water in the uh, in the building. Only from time to time. So really, very 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 difficult uh, housing situation for people. But again, a lot of times they can't complain. Otherwise, they will find themselves out on the street and homeless. Mm. And that's not a uh, not a, a something that anybody uh, wants to envisage. You and I had a very interesting conversation last time we spoke about the ending of the eviction ban that we actually ended up, both of us, going national as a result of what you and I spoke about. The winter eviction ban lapsed on March the 31st um, and the government has repeatedly said that it will not reintroduce it. What's the impact of the eviction ban uh, ending? Well, clearly it's pushing up the homeless figures. All the evidence all, all the evidence is that the majority of people who are becoming homeless are coming from the private rented sector. They're being evicted. So with the end of the eviction ban, clearly that is... And there were 9,000 uh, notice to quits uh, uh, issued in the, in the previous uh, six months. So clearly that's going to have a huge impact on the... Uh, on the uh, on the number of homeless people, and the government argued that continuing the eviction ban would simply drive more landlords out of the market. I have argued that 
continuing uh, ending the eviction ban is going to drive more landlords out of the market because some people who are renting are going to overhold. They're not going to leave when the notice to quit comes because they have nowhere to go. Mm. The landlord has to take a, a district court case to get them out. That could take 12 months. They could appeal that. That could take another six months. So a landlord's uh, a landlord's nightmare is of a tenant who overholds. Uh, and I, I think with right. the number of people who are facing homelessness, that's a, a proportion of them uh, are simply going to do that. And that's, as I say, a landlord's nightmare. What's street life like for people that you're dealing with? Uh, I mean, we, we've already seen the, the determination of the government to put more Gardaí in the streets of Dublin. Sure, I'm sure that's something that you would welcome. How dangerous is it for somebody to be out on the streets of Dublin at this point in time? Well, every homeless person I have worked with has been assaulted at some stage, and some of them seriously assaulted. Those assaults don't go uh, reported. They are not reported to the Gardaí. There is that culture in, 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 in the homeless uh, community, if you can call it that. There's that culture that you don't rat. You don't uh, give evidence to the Gardaí because that will only come back on you. You will be a target for further and more serious assaults mm. if you uh, complain to the Gardaí. So it's a regular occurrence for homeless people. Homeless people are obviously very vulnerable by the very fact that they're homeless. They're sleeping maybe on the streets, sleeping in tents. They find that uh, you know people are very abusive. Uh, people will uh, will will maybe assault them, rip up their tent. Uh, it's 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 a, it's a constant constant risk for homeless people. They're being assaulted uh, uh, and being robbed, and that really gets me. That you know, where a homeless person who has very little gets the little that they have robbed. Yeah, uh, Father uh, Father Peter Councillor Jack Rowans has been in touch. He raises the issue of this uh, quite regularly in the council chambers. He has just texted me to say he has four families. He knows they're going to be homeless in fourteen days. Time. This is here in County Wexford, and there is nowhere for them to go. And my next comment comes from a Morning Mix listener by the name of Mike, who says, this government are completely incapable of solving the crisis at this stage. The only way to solve the homeless crisis is a change of government. But would a change of government make any real difference? Well, we need a change of policy. I don't know whether a new government would change the policy. You know, we could deal with this problem you know, the homelessness is just the most visible and extreme uh, example of a housing problem. Of a housing problem, we could reduce the cost of housing by fifty percent, by because one third of the house cost of a house is the cost of the land on which it is built, mm-hmm. and fifteen to twenty percent of the cost of a house is the builder's profit. Now, if we were to build on government-owned land. Uh, or we were to introduce the Kenny report, which uh, recommended restricting the cost of building land. And if we were to set up a national house building agency or use uh, housing cooperatives who only require a 5% profit, we could reduce a house that now costs 400000 could be built for 200000 That would get a lot of people out of the private landlords right. uh, into the... Uh, into the uh, into the into the ownership, uh, but governments don't want to do that. Why? Why, why, don't, why don't they want to do it? Because to me, that makes a hell of a lot of sense. What you've just said to me there. 
because the voters, the government's core voting base is home ownership, mm. and they don't want the, the value of their house to be reduced. Right. Even though, unless they're planning to sell the house, the value of the house is irrelevant, in fact. Mm. Uh, they still have the house. Uh, so, but government don't want, uh, there's a psychological impact on homeowners if they feel that the value of their house is going to be reduced and that will come back on the government. So government actually don't want to reduce the cost of housing. Father Peter, if you and I, you said about Groundhog Day, um, like Bill Murray's film, and if you and I were to speak again in a month's time, will we be having the same conversation? Would anything have changed, do you think? I think, well, the only thing that will have changed, as far as I can see, is, is that we'll be a month older. Will have, <laughs> will have got worse. <laughs> and the homeless situation will have got worse, and we'll be saying exactly the same things again. You know, I think we could also improve the private rental market. Hmm. And my proposal is that we scrap HAP and restore RAS. Now, what does that mean? Yeah, what does in it mean? Both the HAP, in both the HAP and the RAS scheme, the government pay the landlord uh, the rent, most, most of, the, of the rent. But in the HAP scheme, the landlord has all the responsibility of managing the tenant. They have the responsibility of selecting the tenant, managing the tenant, and if necessary, evicting the tenant. The landlord has become a manager of social housing, and that's not their responsibility. In RAS, the landlord offers the unit to the local authority, and the local authority pays the rent, but the local authority selects the tenant, manages the tenant, and if necessary, evicts the tenant. It's the local authority's responsibility to manage social housing. It's not the landlord's responsibility to manage social housing. And I think, but again, the local authorities would run a mile from that. There isn't hope in hell of that being uh, implemented. But I think that could could largely solve the private rental crisis. Southeast Radio's morning mix. Chat, news, and your views. Alan Corcoran.